Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. On today's AgCast, Carla Hornady has a conversation with Extension's Dr. Eros Francisco on the state of crops in Alabama. And William Green wraps up with information from the Catfish Database. Thank you for joining us for Alabama AgCast. This is Carla Hornady, Director of Soybeans and Wheat and Feed Grains for the Alabama Farmers Federation. Today we're joined by Dr. Eros Francisco, Grain Crop Specialist at Auburn University. Thank you, Dr. Francisco, for joining us today. Thank you, Carla. It is my pleasure to participate. We know that you just um, came into our state in what September of 21, so this is your first year of actually seeing a crop here in Alabama. So has anything surprised you so far? Oh, yeah. This is my first season. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'll tell you what. What surprises me is the how farmers are very welcome uh, to the extension specialists from Auburn University. I've, I've, I have visited many farmers uh, so far and they were all with uh, door, doors open and they were welcoming and they were uh, questioning. So this is good. This interaction is very good for me to learn as fast as I can about corn, soybeans, wheat and other crops uh, in Alabama. But it's been more special uh, more specific about crops, one thing caught my attention, and this is not for the entire state. I'm, I'm speaking about North, uh, not about North Alabama, which is okay, but about row uh, space in, in corn and soybeans. Uh, soybean and corn farmers are still practicing 30 to 36 inches row spacing. Uh, I, I get that because of cotton, perhaps, so the machinery is, is still the same. It's hard to change machinery just because if this is not the, your main crop. Uh, but it, when we move to North Alabama, we're going to see 15 and 20 inches row spacing. And this is more, uh, I would I would declare, more a modern type of crop. So uh, I cannot um, prove that this is, this is not the best way to do it. I still have to gather data uh, about that. But this is something that caught my attention. So in seeing that, is that something that you'll do some research on and try to find out which way might be best? Absolutely. Next year, I'm going to put some proposals to study row spacing and plant distribution as well, just to take advantage of the uh, 100% of, of your land to maximize yield. Right. And that's one of the important reasons. It, it's great to do extension you know, research on the sites, but it, it's so beneficial to get out to the farm so that you see those issues and see, you know, and find out ways that might be more beneficial for planning. So we appreciate you doing that. Absolutely. So we know um, in the spring that we had some consecutive days of rain in different areas of the state. And so there was some corn that didn't get planted exactly probably when farmers would have liked to have got it planted. Have you um, know any current uh, crop conditions and is any of that you know related to the different planting times? So the U.S. Crop Progress Report from yesterday, May 31st, uh, showed that uh, we are a little bit late regarding corn, not too late regarding soybean, and we are right on time regarding wheat headed and wheat conditions. The issue regarding the, the corn conditions nowadays, uh, I have visited 
perhaps more than 20 or 25 uh, different farms across the state. Uh, in North Alabama, is is really fine. It's really okay. Corn is looking uh, good. Uh, in the South, uh, that is a concern because of the sandy soils that we have. Um, periods of drought can can damage uh, seedlings uh, and very young uh, corn plants. Uh, what farmers need to understand how corn develops uh, after V6 and really after V10, there is an exponential growth uh, in the plant. So from V10 to uh, R1 or tassely, that's when most of the nutrients are uptake uptaken by, by the plant. So it's crucial to have soil moisture in that period, and it's crucial to, to be uh, ahead of your fertilizer applications, not delaying any nitrogen or not delaying potassium applications, because nitrogen and potassium are crucial to be uptaken between V10 and, and tasseling. Research shows that um, 75% of nitrogen is already inside the plant at tasseling. So it's crucial not to delay nitrogen application after V6 if it is a dry land uh, field. If it is irrigated, it's okay to postpone a little bit of your nitrogen after V6, but I would say V6, V6 is the, the target to uh, be right on time regarding nitrogen and perhaps potassium if your soil conditions demand. Uh, if we look uh, forward in the forecast, I was uh, taking a look at the uh, at the National Weather Center Climate Prediction Center, uh, what I noticed is, and and this I I was uh, talking about this in February March uh, this year uh, in the crop production meetings, I said that they were predicting the spring of uh, 2022 to be uh, a La Nina uh, uh, taking place in in in, the, in Alabama in the southern part of uh, U.S. And summer, they were predicting to be more neutral. But not, right now, this week, they released another uh, another climate prediction saying that there is a chance of 61% that La Nina continue until the uh, late fall or early winter uh, this year. What La Nina means for Alabama means uh, less rainfall events uh, in the south and central part of the state and a little bit more of rain in the north. So the summer is going to be hotter and perhaps a little bit drier. Uh, and if this prediction is correct, it, it will last uh, during early fall or the fall and early the winter. So this is not good if we consider that most of the uh, yield is set uh, right now between V10 that some crops are going through. But basically, the, 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 the actual yield is sustained during the early stages of kernel uh, filling. And that's going to be around late July, August, during August. Uh, so if we're going to get hot climate and less rain, we are going to have to rely on irrigation. If, farmer, if the farmer doesn't have irrigation, then it's going to be crucial. Uh, for this type of upland uh, fields, so that's my uh, that's my concern for the season so far. Uh, right now, the crops looking good. 
I just visited yesterday in Pine County a March, uh, a corn field planted on March 3rd, which is already or one growth stage, which is um, pollination is going through. Uh, and it looked amazing. It was irrigated, but anyways, it was amazing field. So everything looks fine so far. Let's see what happens during July and, and August. Well, and that's what we know. Farmers in Alabama, they plan on faith because that's one thing we can never control is the weather. <laughs> that's right. That's a that's up to God. Well, um, I know that you mentioned earlier nitrogen, and I saw something you put on Twitter. Um, so for those that may not have seen, what would you caution farmers to be aware of when applying nitrogen to their corn crop? Uh, we are, well, depending on the source you use, if it is solid or liquid, uh, some foliar damage can occur, uh, especially if it, there is dew on the leaves. Uh, so be cautious to apply liquid fertilizers on the top of the crop, uh, especially if there is dew on the, on the foliage, uh, you're going to burn the, the, the leaves. And that, that may be uh, a stress event for the plant and may impact on yield in the future. So there is not a, uh, a set of stone research data showing uh, a specific percentage on, on yield decrease. But certainly that there is a, a damage uh, to the plant. So be careful about that. Okay. We appreciate that information. And now a word from our sponsor, Alabama Ag Credit. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit. And while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Moving on now to wheat, we know that wheat harvest will begin soon. Um, are there any issues that have affected wheat during the growing season? And what is the current condition of the crop here in Alabama? Well, the fields I have visited so far, they were, they were looking good. Uh, what we saw was a, uh, a difference in, 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 in drying uh, out from north to south. So the fields in the south were very uh, almost ready to go. Um, in mid-May, uh, I, I knew of some harvesting taking place in mid-May uh, because of the dry uh, period that we have in, in April. Uh, so the plants uh, fasten up, they're, they're uh, ripening. Uh, so what we are seeing now what I have seen, uh, pretty good uh, fields. I think it's not going to be any decrease in yield uh, regarding regarding wheat. The heads were fine, uh, at least the, the fields I visited. Uh, so I don't think wheat is going to be jeopardized. Some uh, wheat uh, yield of wheat is going to be jeopardized uh, by by the weather con conditions we have so far. All right. And then moving on to soybeans, we, um, planting is going well, and we know that we already have some early beans in the field. So do you see any issues currently affecting the early beans? Well, uh, beans are, as they were supposed to be, about V5 to V7, depending on the region that we visited or just planted uh, in, part, in some parts of the, of the state. Um, fields are looking, are looking great. I, I noticed uh, some 
insect problems uh, in North Alabama, some fields showing uh, slugs and snails uh, problems, uh, damage in the foliage. Uh, also some some green bugs, uh, but so far not a problem, not a big problem or a big concern uh, about it. Another uh, thing that I I caution farmers to uh, to do regarding soybean is the amount of potassium uh, if they need to apply potassium uh, to their fields. Do not delay potassium for soybeans. Some re some research data show that seventy 65, 70% of potassium is uptaken uh, before or one or or two, which is blooming uh, of soybeans. So it's very important to get potassium available to your crop in the early stages. So do not delay potassium application. And also pay attention to sulfur. Sometimes sulfur uh, can be missing in your nutritional program. So pay attention to sulfur as well. Well, we appreciate you giving us this um, crop update. We know that... Um you know, it's always been, depending on where you are in the state, what the crop looks like and what might be affecting it. Um, and we appreciate you getting out and visiting our farmers. And we know that you've been busy doing that, but you also have been very busy collaborating with not only specialists within the state, but in, you know, all across the country. What is the importance in collaborating on research projects outside of the state of Alabama? Yes. Uh, thankfully, I got involved in a very uh very good group of researchers, uh, soybean specialists from different states. Uh, it is called Science for Success. Uh, they have a Twitter, they, they have a Twitter account, and, and also uh, a website with a, a ton of information. Uh, and I got myself involved with that. We put out a uh, two one project with two sites in Alabama uh, to study biologicals for seed treatment. Uh, all kind of different about biologicals, uh, not only bacteria, but fungi and all uh, kind of uh, bios that promote uh, growth, uh, root growth and resistance. And it's very interesting protocol. We're going to see some results uh, late in the season. And the it's very important because also I can connect with uh, folks and, and colleagues from different states in the, in the south of Houston. Uh, of the U.S. or in the North and and get uh, quick information what's going on in different states and if there is anything that we must be alert uh, and, and prevent any uh, anything in Alabama. So it's a very good group and, and I'm very excited to work with them. Well, and we also know that, you know, crop conditions can change quickly and pests can move in. Um, so how can farmers keep up with the research you're doing and the information that you're finding as you go out and visit fields and the research projects? I'm developing uh, most of my uh, time, dedicating most of my time uh, to Twitter nowadays, just for quick facts, uh, fields that I visit, uh, info that I get, I retweet or I post. Um, so Twitter, my Twitter account is uh, how people can get um uh, can get in contact with me or with the information I provide. Also, ACES, uh, ACES website, the Alabama uh, Cooperative Extension System, I post some uh, information over there as well. So, but Twitter is the fast and quick uh, source of information. Okay. Well, again, we greatly appreciate it. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? 
Uh, I would like to uh, wish everyone a very good season. Uh, and if you need information, if you need any assistance, call me or send me an email, a text or a note via Twitter. If you type Eros Francisco on Twitter, you're going to find me very easily. Um, just call me. I'll be visiting with you to uh, discuss any issue you you have uh, in need or visit fields. I, I love visiting fields. That's what I love the most. So call me to your farm and I'll be there. Well, and we'll be sure to put your Twitter account in the show notes so that people can get a quick link to that. But we greatly appreciate you coming into our state and hitting the ground running, getting out and visiting people and setting up research and and having just a great overview of what the crops are doing and what the current conditions are. So we appreciate you taking time to be with us and joining us today. Hey, Carla, I appreciate that. Anytime. And now, your weekly AgCast wrap-up. This is William Green, Catfish and Division Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation. Today, I'm going to give a few highlights from Dr. Terry Hansen's 2021 Catfish Database Report. Thanks to Dr. Hansen for always keeping the catfish industry up to date with the latest trends, and we'd like to wish him the very best in his upcoming retirement. On to the numbers. Last year, U.S. farm-raised catfish was seventh in the top 10 list of fish for American seafood consumption. Americans ate an all-time high of 19.2 pounds of fish and seafood per person, including over half a pound of catfish. In 2021, 307 million pounds of catfish was processed, which is down 9 million pounds, or roughly 3%, from the 317 million pounds processed in 2020. There were 58,310 acres of water and catfish production reported in February 2022, which is down 3% from last year. Like most of agricultural industries, catfish inputs were considerably higher last year, with feed prices roughly 25% higher than 2020. Remember, when at a restaurant or in your local grocery store, look for the U.S. farm-raised catfish decal to ensure you're eating the best. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.